Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 89 of the Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Returning after a couple of weeks off. Nice to be back. You might notice the background's a little bit different. It's beautiful. This is the kitchen, and it's got a little curtain that goes halfway down, so it almost hides it, but still makes this look like a pretty trashy film set. <laughs> oh, like here's a. This is a a diagram for Chinese medicine. So that's available in this Airbnb, which is nice. But I'm in Montreal. I'm in Montreal this week. So I came back from Peru on Monday, had a couple of days in New York and immediately went to Montreal, which is fun. So having a week here with my family, which is also fun. And we're having my cousin's wedding this weekend. So hence why I'm here. But let me tell you a bit about uh, the Peru trip because it was amazing. And we've been talking about it for a few months. Where to start? You've probably seen a few of my posts on uh, on social media today because I'm finally getting my shit together and sharing some stuff about it. But it's hard on one hand because it's a very, you know, it's really had the experience of being in flow and being very present all week. And so to come back and then try to put it into words or try to write about it, it kind of felt quite challenging because so much of it was a felt experience over the last couple of weeks. But I'll try and do that, you know, as time goes on so I can share a little bit about it. But the highlights, as always, you know, on all these adventures that that we've run is turning the phone off for a week, getting out of your normal life, not drinking alcohol, not watching Netflix, but just being with people in a really beautiful location. So enjoying nature, spending time with each other. And what I notice, and what you'll notice, like if you if you ever go and you know have a few days off in nature and and choose to be disconnected, is there's a time when you get really bored because we're so used to having the instant gratification a lot going on. So you get bored, and then if you allow yourself to just sit in that boredom, then something else starts to emerge. Either you start having a another conversation with someone you know close to you, or you start creating something, or you might do some writing, or just really allowing something new to emerge out of that space. And so, you know, when we had a week in Peru, just uh, either in Cuzco, the town that we flew into, or trekking through the Andes, which we, you know, we did for a few days, or up in Machu Picchu, or, you know, spending time in, in, in sacred sites with the, the shaman that we were with. It just, there's a lot of time just to connect and just, uh, you know, allow things to come up. And, you know, sometimes that can be stuff that you haven't processed. So one of the people on the trip, you know, had a lot of stuff come up from her childhood because we spent a lot of our time numbing away or, you know, avoiding a lot of that stuff. So part of these journeys is we now have space for stuff that we're avoiding to come up. And, you know, secretly, that's what I hope happens. And a lot, a lot of that happens as well. Uh, Holly calls that transformational boredom, which I fucking love. That's a great phrase, Holly. You should, you should trademark that, transformational boredom. And so we had a lot of that. So you know, that, that was the first thing, being disconnected. And then just being in the mountains and allowing nature and allowing the stories and the, the history of, of uh, the Incan tradition to kind of wash over us. And, you know, our shaman just said, look, be open-hearted, just remain open-hearted and see what comes up for you. So, yeah, I had a lot of, lot of moments where I felt very moved by nature and very moved by the, the energy of Peru. So all in all, a really successful trip. As I said, I'll try and uh, post a few more things about it and give you guys a few more stories of things that happened and uh, really hope to see you on the next one. If you missed out on this one for whatever reason, uh, don't miss out on the next one. These are amazing journeys and man, you know, this is a story that we get to tell for the rest of our lives about the time we took the pilgrimage to Machu Picchu, which is so beautiful. Hey, Karen. Uh, Karen, I see you had a great time in LA 
Yeah, you tuned in right at this connection, so it must be at the right place. Well, that is not true. You are the epitome of connection to me. And I see you had a great time in LA. So welcome. Thanks for tuning in. And that was Peru. Ask me questions if you want to. Otherwise, we'll dive in with the show. And I'm super excited to uh, bring Ruby Freeman on the show. Let me tell you a little bit about Ruby. Uh, Her mission is to give the world a voice, which I love. Uh, as a top breakthrough coach and activation expert for purpose-driven leaders who are ready to bring their big mission into the spotlight, her no-bullshit approach ignites true transformation while flipping fear into actualized ambition and doubt into absolute confidence. Ruby works with leaders from artists to entrepreneurs who are ready to activate their voice, unleash their missions, gain conviction to lead their purpose. Having worked with hundreds of clients, she's a catalyst for change and hugely successful at helping her clients embody radical resiliency and an unstoppable mentality. Well, that is an awesome bio and super excited to welcome you to the show, Ruby. Thanks for being on the show here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see where our conversation takes us. <laughs> totally. And we had, uh, you invited me on your show a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was lovely. And now we're doing a little reciprocal thing because that's what we do in the coaching family. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because we are family. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Karen is family. She's singing mm-hmm. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. <laughs> hey, Karen. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome. You, you're coming to us from the West Coast? Yes, from LA. And for those of you who know LA, I'm coming specifically from Redondo Beach, the sleepy beach town of Redondo. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. I was there a couple of weeks ago and you and I were due to connect. And uh, I said, uh, I'm really sorry we can't connect. I've been in Redondo Beach all weekend and I, I couldn't you know, connect. And you said, uh, I live in Redondo. <laughs> yeah. Could have walked three minutes to my house. Right. Now you yeah. know. <laughs> now, now I know. know. <laughs> now I know for next time. So we have a lot in common. Uh, we both are passionate about mission, about uh, helping people find their voice. And I think changing the world is a, a umbrella topic. And you have a, a no bullshit approach. <laughs> what, what does that look like? What's a no bullshit approach? So the no bullshit approach is we're just going to cut right to the chase. Let's just dive straight to the root. Like, forget all this trying to beat around the bush. Let's just dive into what the actual issue is that we can uncover that. Because the quicker you can uncover that, the quicker that you can start to navigate forwards. And the reason why I love this approach is because it's the approach that I live I lived and I've lived in my life and through my journey and through my transformation. And it's the only thing that's that's really helped me move forward is not distracting myself with minutia or like details that are are actually just swaying me away from the root problem. What's common? Like what do people usually people usually distract themselves with? What's the bullshit they have to cut through? So a lot of it is um, stuff you already know. So you maybe you already know that you have a fear of judgment, but you're going to continue to straddle on that without diving deeper beneath to see what is the stories in your life that have actually caused this fear of judgment to come up. There is a distraction of clarity is a very big common one. Let me just sit here and wait for clarity to land. It's like, well, what is the reason why you haven't been able to create clarity in your life up until this point? That's where I want to dive into. So there's a lot of different ways that that people distract themselves from the actual truth or, and they might be unconscious of it, to be honest. Like you might be unconscious that you're allowing yourself to get distracted by these smaller details. And it's really a protection mechanism that you have created unconsciously because it can often feel like you're going into the danger zone when you go into the root cause or the root issues or the root traumas or the root wounds. But 
in reality, that is where you need to go in order to find the answers that you seek. Mm. And so you work with leaders a lot, right? So you primarily, yeah, and you have a podcast called New Thought Leaders. Today's Thought Leader. Today's Thought Leader. Close enough. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what are the things that leaders avoid? Because obviously you work with people that are often already on the path. Yes. I guess you're looking to take them to the next level of their leadership. Yeah. So here's what I see what I have observed in the world is people get to this point where you've gone through your journey and um, you're like, oh, I found my purpose. So let me create my career path along this purpose. You're a leader. Your wound is now your mission. You're speaking up for your cause. And all of a sudden you've diverted from your journey of personal growth and inner work to serve others. And serving mm-hmm. others, that's not the problem. Serving others is is amazing. And what an incredible way to connect the dots of your journey thus far. And you still need to do your inner work. It's not that you reach a certain place of mastery. Mastery is the journey. It's not that just because you know how to do this certain thing, or now you're a certified coach, or now you have these products or these services that support people, that you're done. There is no done. You need to be equally as equally devoted to your inner work as you are to serving. And if I'm going to be completely frank, I think we need to be even more devoted to our inner work than to our service, because the more that we serve ourselves, the greater we can serve others. And so what I've seen is these leaders plateauing and Mm. they reach this plateau and how it shows up in their or manifests in their life is they start to feel stagnant. They start to feel as if, oh, my old shit is coming back to the surface, coming back to the surface. It's always been there. You've just been distracting yourself with serving others. But they feel like, oh, my old shit is coming up. Like, I can't get to this next level because this fear of judgment is still coming up or my need to be perfect is still coming up. And there's a resistance to want to work through it because you're like, I've been through this before. I've done this again. And I am there to really support these conscious leaders to step into this devoted practice of working on themselves because, again, like that's what's going to help them ultimately serve more powerfully and show up more powerfully in the world for their cause, their mission, and their audience. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, uh, something I notice on myself is the more successful I've become or the more well-known I've become, the harder it is for me to do some of the work because I don't want to... I don't want to acknowledge that I still have big flaws or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go there. Like I feel much more protective of myself, ironically, the more of a leader I've become. Yeah, right. Like I've reached this certain place and I should be done, but I'm yeah. not. And so there's this sense of shame or guilt that can come up because of that. And there can often, like I know for me, this really strange thing happens that no one really talks about where the higher you rise in your leadership, in building your presence online and offline in the work that you do, the higher you rise, it's almost like the louder your fears become. And (laughs) the more it becomes more to lose, right? Right. And and your patterns start to come out with a vengeance, new patterns start to come out, new limitations, new edges. And it can be very overwhelming because one, no one's talking about this, about how it doesn't get easier. We just have to get better. But two, because of this sense of like, I should have this under control by now. I'm feeling Mm. a little ashamed about this. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, the more you confront your shit, like the fears and limitations and the edges, the more you come face to face with those things, that's a sign that you're continuously growing. That's a sign that you're continuously evolving. And it needs to be addressed. Like that stuff needs to be addressed in order for you to continue rising. 
Yeah. How has this shown up for you? Like, do you, because I know, you know, vulnerability is the buzzword, right? But I wonder like, you know, how much of our, the people that follow us or our audience really want to know too much, right? So, you know, like maybe, maybe they love vulnerability, maybe it's great, but maybe they don't want to know that Ruby is actually still struggling with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest misconception, we as leaders would like to believe that they don't want to see us struggle because if they see us struggle, then they're not going to see us as a leader. Or they're not going to see us as a competent coach or they're not going to see us as X, Y, and Z. So that's still our own stories getting in the way. Right. But the vulnerability, or as I prefer to call it, just being real, that's what creates the connection. And at the end of the day, this is what is lacking in humanity is the sense of connection. You know, everyone wants to feel seen. Everyone wants to feel heard. Everyone wants to feel understood. And how can they feel seen, heard, or understood if you're not showing up as their mirror? And instead, you're showing up as this falsified persona, this fabricated persona of something that you're trying to show up as. Like, they're not going to see themselves in you. So they're not going to really create an authentic and real connection with you. They're just going to place you on a pedestal. And that's not in my opinion, true leadership. And that's also just not what the world needs. Like we all want to feel connected at the end of the day. So if, you know, you ever find yourself questioning, like if I share this, will people still like me or will people still feel like I am a qualified coach or speaker or whatever it is? The answer is yes. And in fact, then, and then some because they're going to trust you more because you've just become a real person. But with that being said, I also don't recommend emotionally vomiting all over the internet. <laughs> like work through your shit, go through your process. And then once you're through it, share. Um, mm. Share when there is something of that will actually benefit your audience versus make your audience feel as if they were just purged on. Because there's a <laughs> real difference. Yeah. Is that something you've managed yourself? Have you kind of gone the wrong way? Have you made mistakes in that area? I mean, I think we've all made mistakes in that area. Prior to being a coach, I was working in nightlife and um, that was when I was going through a lot of my struggles and I used to purge online all the time or air my dirty laundry. Um, <laughs> it's a temporary high, right? Because you're like, ah, mm. oh, let me just let me just talk shit about summer and let me just talk about what's going on because I want people to acknowledge me that that's really what it comes down to. It's like, I want people to acknowledge that I am really having a shitty time. I want people to acknowledge that I am really great. I want people to acknowledge that I have it tough and this is what people are doing. This is how they're using it, but that is of no benefit to your audience, nor is it a benefit to you because again, it's the temporary high followed by the, Oh, I'm still feeling everything that I've been feeling because I'm avoiding going through it. Yeah. So it sounds like so the, the, the greater a leader you become and the more of a following you gain or the more influence you have, probably the more your shit's going to come up. And at the same time, the harder it is going to be to acknowledge and deal with it. And yes. that's the time where it sounds like you know we have to not put ourselves on the pedestal, actively make sure we're not doing that. And as we go through stuff, show our work. Yeah. And you just reiterated it beautifully. You know, I, and I, again, like I think the common perception is that 
the higher I rise, the easier it gets. The more I do this work, the easier it gets. The more I serve, the more powerful I get. And no, the work starts to amplify. And that's what I believe separates the true conscious leaders from the rest is you've come this far to what? To just quit when shit gets tough? No, now is the time. The way that I look at it, because uh, let me give a real example here. So this past weekend, I recorded a video. Now, if any of you have been following me for a while, I've done countless videos. There's hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel. And I paused my YouTube channel because I started getting sick of doing my own videos. And it took me a really long time to find my own, finally, find a video editor who I thought will help me position myself at the stage where I'm actually at in my career. So I put a lot of pressure on myself with this whole new video situation. I was supposed to give him a video about a week and a half ago, and I sat on it. Not because I didn't have the right equipment, but because I wanted to make sure that the topic was perfect. Because I have this need to show up perfectly for my fear of judgment, for my fear of what people are going to think, for my fear of like people not taking me seriously. And I sat on that. It wasn't until this weekend that I said, just fuck it. Like I've pumped out so many videos in my life. Like, why am I just letting this stop me? Oh, it's this fear of judgment that's still coming up. And so in acknowledging what's actually coming up in acknowledging like what I was actually feeling, I was able to whip out the camera, whip out a video and literally took me, you know, from creating a concept to finishing filming like an hour and a half. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but we make it such a big deal. And I share this with you because like, this is the type of shit that like even I still experience. And it's like this sense of as long as I continue to overcome what is being put on my plate, the more powerfully I get to show up and serve. So I feel like every time that I'm pushed up against an edge, which is frequently like daily, and I decide to face that edge and overcome it, I go up another stair or I go up another level. And sometimes we're given like these levels where we've given an opportunity and that just raises us automatically. But most of the time we have to create that for ourselves. And that's created by us choosing to face these edges, to face these fears, to face these limitations, no matter how often they come up and no matter how many times the same fear might come up. (laughs) Sometimes it's the same fear every single day. But that is what helps us refine our skills as a leader and really drop into our presence and who we're being and how we're showing up. Because if we're not capable of leading our own lives, then how are we supposed to lead others? Yeah, it's like we're doing stuff regularly, like we're putting out content or coaching people or launching products or whatever. So it's it makes sense that it's going to keep coming up. There's not not a moment where you're complete or you know because it's it's fluid, it's ongoing. So we have to constantly face stuff as it comes up. And, yeah. and what I hear from you is that you have a great process for bringing awareness to that stuff and working through it that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that process starts right away and it kicks in right away. And sometimes it takes <laughs> me a week or two. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, am I here to stay stagnant or am I here to grow? I'm here to grow. Am mm-hmm. I here to lead or am I here to stay exactly where I'm at? No, I'm here to lead. Am I here to serve or am I here to not serve? I'm here to serve. And so it's making these conscious decisions every single moment of every single day that help me face my shit. And how boring would it be if we didn't have this stuff to that came up? You know, how boring mm-hmm. would it be if we didn't have any fears or if we didn't have any limitations or patterns that we had to overcome? 
You know, it, this is what helps shape us into who we are. And for everyone listening or watching, like where you're at today, if you hadn't gone through everything that you've gone through, if you haven't experienced everything that you've experienced, if you haven't overcome everything that you've overcome, then you would not be the same person that you are today. Everything that we experience helps to refine us and bring us closer to who we are and closer to our truth. So let's say hello to a few people. Yeah. Uh, Karen, we said hello to Karen. Great to have you here. Susan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for saying hi. And we had Jason and Holly saying hello as well. Yeah, feel free to ask Ruby a question. She'll be happy to answer any questions as we go or just leave a comment as we uh, as we continue our conversation. Yeah, and Jason, thank you for listening to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Uh, big on helping people find their voice, mm-hmm. but you had to find your own voice. Yes. <laughs> what was that process like? <laughs> it's still a journey that I'm on. I mean, that's your it, answer for everything. It, it really is. Because I think that everyone wants a, a process that has a beginning and an end. And yeah. in reality, nothing has a beginning and the end. Everything is just infinite. Everything is just always happening. And such is evolution. You know, like, for example, we die, we get buried. If we get buried, you turn into the earth and then the earth fuels like the trees and the soil and that fuels the oxygen. Like everything is just constantly evolving. And so for you to try and cap an end and a beginning onto something doesn't make any sense. So for me, my journey to finding my voice really started when I was in 2012 and it's been unfolding steadily since. But I come from a culture a cultural background that doesn't necessarily encourage women to speak up or or anyone really for that matter it encourage us to follow a specific path and um Are you talking so, about like the wider american culture or no so i'm i'm punjabi mc and in our indian culture it's a very like what will people think kind of culture and so we are encouraged to um you know go to university, get married, have kids, be a doctor, engineer, dentist. And I did none of those things, had a divorce at a really young age. And it was interesting to navigate even as a child and a teenager who had a natural curiosity for life, I guess you could say. Some people might call it rebellious. I choose to say naturally curious. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and it's, after years of people telling you what to do and and how you need to be and how you need to show up, what you can say, what you can't say, what you can wear, what you can't wear, you start to ignore and repress those parts of you that are actually you. And so it wasn't until in my adult years and in 2012, hitting the lowest of the low rock bottoms, where I realized I didn't really know myself anymore. And so from then on, it became a journey of self-discovery, which really was a journey of finding my voice. So putting in situations where I normally wouldn't say anything, what would it feel like to actually say what I'm feeling? Um, What would it feel like to actually state my boundaries? What would it feel like to go online and say, fuck? Like (laughs) all of these different things where I was starting to put myself out there, especially in my career as a coach, starting to share my story, which I was encouraged not to do by my family. and started to realize that the sense of connection that I felt I was missing my entire life, the the sense of people actually seeing me, feeling understood, the reason why that w- I never experienced that was because I wasn't actually sharing who I truly was. 
And as I began to share more of my story and share what I was going through and be super transparent online, I started creating connections because I was letting people see me. And through those connections, I realized that I can speak my voice. And of course, there are going to be people who don't like me. And of course, there's going to be people who don't believe me or want to be around me. There's going to be people who hate me. There's going to be people who have judgments to throw at me for sure. And there's going to be people who really, truly love me, who really, truly see me. And they have only been given the opportunity to see me and love me because I was brave enough to just show up and be me. And so this ties into the work that I do with leaders now because, I mean, Nathan, as you know, and as you probably experienced online, you can be whoever the fuck you want online right? Like we can filter the shit out of our pictures. We can post what we we want to post and nothing else. We can edit our captions. Like there's so much, there's an ease to manipulating the way in which we are perceived. And we're seeing leadership on the rise as well as what I call falsified leadership or unconscious leadership on the rise where people are just in it for the likes and in it for the follows and in it for the pedestals and how it makes them feel versus what they're actually doing and and supporting humanity and moving forward. And so I just feel really, really called to support that. And I do so by by supporting my clients and my audience and and tapping into their truth and tapping into their voice. So with that being said, just know that it's a journey. So it seems like you had a ton of courage. Uh, There was a point where you just, just found a ton of courage to start speaking truth. I, the way that I look at courage now is it's definitely a muscle And one that the more that you flex, the easier it becomes. Because at the beginning, I would literally feel like I was going to vomit if I shared anything that was real. I would immediately go into like share a truth and then put my walls up and hide, whether it was in person or or online, didn't matter. And the more that I flex this muscle of, of courageousness, the easier it's become. And now it feels like my autopilot. Like I don't know any other way of being. If something scares me, then I lean towards that because I know that the reward is far greater than the temporary feeling that I'm experiencing right now. But my brother says, uh, you know it's vulnerability when as soon as you say it, you want to take it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or as soon as you type it, you want to uh, press delete. Or as soon as you totally. post, you want to delete the post. <laughs> yeah. So funny, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, I know a lot of people. That, that's a that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing when you mm-hmm. start out, especially if you if you want to be a leader. I, you know, I, I've always struggled with the word leader. I yeah didn't didn't really desire to be a leader, but you kind of find yourself in that position, I guess. And so learning to just learning to put yourself out there, like it's it's a few years ago for me as a, as for you, but struggled to remember a time when it was was sort of challenging to do that, I guess. But for people just starting out, that's a big thing, like writing that first post or mm-hmm. um, you know, admitting a really vulnerable truth or sharing something that you're going through. That yeah. can, be, can take a ton of courage. Yeah, and that starts with having the courage to show yourself who you are. You know, some people, and this is true, and maybe some of our, our viewers can relate to this, some people won't even dare to write what they're truly feeling down on paper by themselves Mm. in a journal that no one else is going to see for fear of X, Y, Z. And it, you need to learn to be courageous on your own. You need to learn to own those parts of you first before you show the world. 
Because how are you supposed to show the world who you are? How are you supposed to discover who you are if you're not even willing to be with who you are? If you're not really willing to let yourself just be who you are, period. And so for those of you who are still struggling with showing up online, hey, show up for yourself first. Like let yourself just flow in your journal and sit with your feelings and know that there's nothing wrong about anything that you're feeling or experiencing. Yeah, for me, even just the fact that I was going was into personal development. The fact that I was even like into like self-help or personal development or was into that kind of thing. That was a hard thing for me to admit. Like a lot of the New Zealand culture is anti that. It feels too American or too like rah, 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 you know, for our culture. And so just admitting, hey, actually, I find this stuff really valuable and I really enjoy it. And it's something I want to help take to the world. That was one of the hardest things for me. Mm to admit (laughs) was that I was even into this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but you did it because like, why was it important for you to do that? Because that was my truth. Mm -hmm. That was my truth. And so if I really looked at it, I went, yeah, okay. A lot of people don't like this stuff. I can see why, because it may be confronting or it might seem a little bit woo woo, but that's not my truth. Yeah. It doesn't feel like woo woo to me. It feels like the truth and it feels like something that's been incredibly helpful to me and something I want to help other people with. Yeah. And I love that you use the word, it feels like my truth. And for those who don't resonate with that, or you need something more tangible to hold on to, like it can feel like freedom. It can feel like excitement. It can feel like Mm. happiness. It can feel like ease. It can feel like joy. Because when we're trying to be something we're not, that feels like a struggle. That feels like stress. That feels like unhappiness. That feels like we're being contained. That feels like we're in shackles. It's different. And so even if you just start to follow the feeling and show up in ways that honor how you actually truly want to feel, that will put you smack in the middle of this path to finding your voice. Because it's not about trying to create your voice. It's actually about uncovering your voice, uncovering what lies beneath all the programming that you have picked up, all the times that you've been told to shut up or not cry or don't be upset or not share how you're really feeling. It's beneath all of that. So this is like a reunion with your truth. And when you are reunited with your truth, it feels really good. Like, so you're just following the good feelings, essentially. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It feels very free. Mm-hmm. It feels very, very free. How have you, like, how do you relate to your family now or that uh, part of the culture that you struggled with initially? Really well. There's definitely, we've had our tumultuous times for sure. And the more that I am devoted to my work, the better our relationship has gotten. Mm-hmm. Because when you are in a struggle with, with people like family, I'm, <laughs> it's a whole other level of pain. And there's a part of you that just wants to like shake them and say, hey, look at me. Hey, do it this way. Hey, do it that way. I know better. You know, but like, it's just this whole, you want to try and just because you're on a good path, you want to try and guide them on that same path because you love them. And that actually doesn't serve anyone. So for me, I had to learn to let that go. I had to learn to create space. And so I went through a period with my family where I had a lot of space created, went from talking to them every day to talking to them maybe once a week. And that allowed me the space I needed to shift back focus into myself. And the more focused I was on my work, the more focused I was on creating my success, on my happiness, on my fulfillment, the better our relationship got. Because at the end of the day, my my parents just want to see me happy. 
And um, even if I'm not going to do it their way. At the end of the day, if they see me happy, they're great. Uh, so it was a lot of healing, but you can't force other people to heal. You can only do your own healing. There's a love punch that I always quote for this. It's, you got to control what's controllable, period. Like anything that's outside of your control, let it go. Focus on controlling what's controllable. Yeah, so the the, the family thing that I guess you, you know, creating space, that's creating boundaries, right, in a way. Yes. How important do you think it is to, you know, someone is going through this kind of transition, let's say, how important is it to create those boundaries or create space, especially yeah. with people that are super close to you or know you as a certain way? For sure. So imagine yourself as like a sea of water and the glass that holds you so you can facilitate this work are the boundaries. Okay. Without that glass, you'll spill everywhere. And, you know, emotionally, mentally. And so the boundaries actually are a way for you to honor your needs. That's all it is. And so first, you have to get clear on your needs. Like in order to create healthy boundaries, number one, get clear on your needs. What do you need? Number two, create the boundary around that need. So you get to protect that boundary and you get to honor that boundary. And then you also get to clarify how are you going to react if that boundary is breached, whether by yourself, because we can breach our own boundaries, I was really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> or other people could breach our boundaries. So What's you an example? Like how would you how would you breach your own boundary? Um, so I am someone who will sacrifice my own needs for others constantly just to make them feel better. And I recognize that. And it's still something that I have to this day. It, it impacts me in my business, in my life, in my relationships. And so I will often put myself in situations where I am just trying to fix other people or make other people feel better. And that's me breaching my own boundaries mm. versus like recognizing, hey, this is what's happening. I get to walk away from this. I get to honor my boundaries. No matter how I think this is going to make them feel, because that's always the fear is that they're going to feel bad or they're going to think I'm unkind or they're going to feel unsupported. And I get to remind myself, no, that's their shit to deal with. And I get to deal with my shit. Yeah, because we, when, when we become helpers mm -hmm. for a job, there is a, a boundary we have to work on about not helping everyone or realizing that we can't help everyone. Um, yeah, or like understanding that the best way for you to help everyone is to help yourself. Truly. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think we touched on that in our um, conversation that we had yes. together a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the biggest thing you can do is, is help yourself. That's how you change the world. Yes. And that's become more and more real for me. Even just in the last few weeks, I had a real aha moment with this, you know, with my coach. Because it feels like, to me, I always think, you know, I deal a lot in mission as well with my clients. And so I feel like sometimes my mission is not big enough. You know, that, oh, I should have the biggest mission out of everybody <laughs> before I can help people work on their mission. But then I really realized, again, I've just got to keep coming back to, hey, my mission is to live my life as well as I can, which is stay connected to the, the difference I want to make and mm -hmm. what I'm really good at, what I love, and just really focus on that. Keep it super simple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about saving the children <laughs> and having this huge thing. Like if I stay in my lane and if I, if I make sure I'm being the best person that I can be, that stuff will come. Right. That stuff will yeah. come as a result. 
Yeah. And this entire year has been that for me. I dedicated, I devoted myself to just my own journey, my own healing journey and my own evolution in December and have really been devoted, meaning extra time every single day that I spend with myself, meaning investing more in my health, in my, in my wellness, in my own like retreats and coaching and work for me to work with others. Mm. And like a really big focus on my healing. And this has been my biggest year yet, success-wise. And I look back and I'm just like, I'll look at my finances at the month end and I'm just like, I don't even know how that happened. But it it just goes to show that the more that devoted we are to ourselves, the stronger we show up as leaders and the more potent our work becomes. Like I feel like my work as a coach and as a mentor continues to strengthen. I am this year alone. I've called in the most aligned clients ever and I'm creating from a place of my own personal magic versus like, and let me just create for the sake of creating just to fill this hole that I have in my financial year, mm-hmm. which is something that we can fall into. And so this whole year I've been really devoted to my inner work and I've been experiencing these results outside of myself. And I share this just because I don't want anyone to think that I'm just talking out of my ass. Like this shit is real. And you have to understand, like, if you are not constantly unraveling through your beliefs and your programs, if you're not constantly heightening heightening your awareness, um, if you're not constantly working through your limitations, your fears, your mindset then what you're actually doing is staying stuck exactly where you are. And I just don't want to stay stuck. Mm. I'm sure there's been plenty of moments where you have. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And then now I really, really love the feeling of evolution. You know, it's, it's always insightful to learn something new about myself. And I take great pride in that rather than in the past being, I am a certain way. I do things a certain way. Now it's like, oh, interesting. I just learned something about myself. How cool is that? And then mm. with that new insight, you get to apply that to the work that you do and the way in which you show up for others and everything starts to improve. And so it's just this constant unraveling of, of you getting to know who you are. Yeah, that's really beautiful and very, very, very inspiring. And, and you know, like you say, the, the business success is one thing, but that really means having a bigger impact. Yes. Yes. I mean, if we look at some of the biggest leaders in the world today, they are the ones who are preaching about their rituals, about waking up early and focusing on them, about um, the books that they read or the work that they do on themselves. And this is what is needed. We often think, we often want to jump in to save humanity. I think that's a really endearing quality that we as human beings have. And It's a good place to start. Right. And how can you save humanity if you're not yet willing to save yourself? Because we are part of humanity. So your biggest contribution to humanity is you working on you because you are a member of this collective called humanity. So if you work on you and every other single human being on this planet were were to work on themselves, imagine what would happen. Mm. It's simple, isn't it, really? Yeah, but it's it's simple to say out loud. It's not that simple to actually put into action. <laughs> yeah, it's a great reminder. Like uh, you've got me thinking a lot. That's why I'm, I'm pausing. 
Allison's watching. She says hi. It's an hi. ongoing process. It's powerful. Hi, Allison. Thanks for tuning in. Holly made the comment that being real gives people permission to do the same. Yes. I've noticed in my work that one of the most profound differences I've made through conversation is being open about my down days, the days I doubt my impact, efficacy, and level of service. And people are often shocked and relieved to know that they're normal. Mm-hmm. And, and also, what is normal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is normal anyways? All of everything, all of these words that we throw out there, these are all perceptions. Like this is what we, how we choose to perceive something, a situation ourselves. And we're just all trying to fit all these different perceptions that we've created as a society, uh, which all deters us away from, from who we are and our truth. And in the work that I do, I've often found that the majority of all of this, like the fear of showing up in your truth comes down to the one innate human need that we all have, which is the, the need to, to experience love and belonging. We all have this. And so anytime that we feel that we're going to be, that's going to be threatened. So if for some reason throughout your, your lifetime, you've been told or shown that it's not safe to be you or that you'll be punished for being you, then you're going to hold that inside. You're going to retain that in your unconscious mind and not show up in ways that honor who you are for fear of upsetting other people or um, rocking the boat or losing that sense of love and belonging. And the way in which we can experience love and belonging is by being who we are. It's the biggest mind fuck in the world. Oh, it is. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, the fear is also holding on to those things, even though they might not be a fit. Holding on to what we know, which might be a friend or a family member or an idea or a family belief. Holding on to that above our own truth yeah. or above, above our own sanity. So I think when you can, I certainly had this feeling where one of the thoughts I came to was like, hey, if I lose everybody because I'm being authentic, that's okay. I'm going to choose being authentic and being myself. And of course, you don't lose everybody. But I remember having to come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. So each stage, and it's an evolution, like what was true for me a year ago is not true today either. So it's, it's a constant evolution, which is mm -hmm. kind of your message today that you have to be willing to let people go and people are going to fall away and not everybody's going to agree with you and you're going to maybe even change clients or change audiences or, you know, it's only through holding on to that fear of losing stuff that we get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, you get to create space. You know, as you evolve, your business is allowed to evolve, your message is allowed to evolve, your purpose is allowed to evolve. In fact, all of those things are meant to evolve with you. And the more you try and hold on to things, the less likely you're going to create a more aligned experience for you. So you get to create that space for yourself. When things feel like they no longer fit, you get to create that space. To create space for things that actually do fit with where you're at can come in. I mean, my website has changed like five times in five years. My logo has changed. My ideal client has changed. My messaging has changed. Like all of that has changed, but not ever in a way that goes against who I am, more so to honor who I am. And yet we're working in, you know, the online space or entrepreneurship where they tell you to find your niche and then just do that. It's like, no, or create your signature program and just do that. It's like, no, like I want the freedom to be able to evolve because I feel like I can serve at a higher capacity and more powerfully for my, and show up more powerfully for my clients if I allow myself to evolve.
you don't know who you want to serve until you've tried different things too. You may have this idea of who you want to serve, serve a bunch of them and go, okay, well, that was radically unfulfilling. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, I love that. Like be willing to shift, be willing to change, be open to that. You don't owe anything to anyone around that. Keep doing your own work. You have a very unique look. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this. Feels like dan- feels like dangerous territory, but you're we, a very unique. Look. Listeners, we are entering dangerous territory. Warning! Warning! <laughs> warning! Warning! Yeah. Alarms going off. <laughs> uh, but you have a very unique look. Like you really, uh, I love it. Like I wish I was as bold as you, and I mean that in the biggest compliment I can possibly make it. But you have like awesome tattoos at the moment. You've got like yellow finger polish on. You always look beautiful in all your pictures. Like, is this a very intentional look that you've created? Um, no. So thank you for the compliments. You're welcome. Dangerous territory. (laughs) Dangerous territory. And, um, this all really started in my journey to finding myself, you know, for years I had really long black hair, uh, long, like down to my waist long, and I wasn't allowed to cut it. And then I remember when I was first allowed to cut it, And I could only cut it to, you know, maybe my chest line. And then I wasn't allowed to dye it. And so when I started after my first divorce and I lived on my own for the first time, I started to learn more of the art of self-expression, but do so in a way to discover and uncover who I was. See, because we don't know what we don't know. And so we need to try on a a bunch of things, just like what you were saying about the clients. Like you need to work with a bunch of different clients to figure out what you don't like. So for me, it was like, in order to figure out who I was, I needed to allow myself the freedom to express myself. And it started with my very first tattoo on my foot, which then became all these tattoos. It started with my hair. Like I had bright pink hair for 10 years. I only went to my natural color last year. And now I'm going to a different color. I'm in the process of going blonde. But for me, it's like all of these things are are external. They don't shift who I am. Mm-hmm. I am who I am because of what makes me me inside. Not because of my fingernail color, not because of my hair, not because of what how I dress or what I do, but because of who I am at the core of my being. All of this stuff that you see on the outside, I do for me. I think it's fun. It's just a way to express myself. And you know, for example, when I went from pink to black hair, it was 10 years of pink. It was a really big, bold move for me to go back to black. Yeah, the first time I met you, you had pink hair. I had pink hair. And um, when I went back to black, it was the desire to get back in touch with who I was. And then when I dyed my hair black and I had it black for a year, I was like, I'm actually still the same person. So that was a really, really great reminder. And now I get to play again. I do believe that there are a lot of people out there who do it for other people. And I think that you have to hone it, bring it, reel it back in and understand that you get to express yourself for yourself, not for But I think that's like, it it is an external thing, but uh, I mean, I think that's a a lot of what people love about you because the way you dress and the way you look represents everything that you say, right? Which is about finding your voice, expressing yourself, bringing something unique into the world. And like you do it visually, like (laughs) when you had pink hair, it's it's impossible to miss you in a room full of people, you know, which is super cool. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's a definitely congruency with how I feel. And I think that a lot of people... Because a lot of people can't do that, including me. Like I get shit for wearing the same Lacoste (gasps) t-shirt every day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can do it. You just choose not to. And it might not be aligned with who you are. And that's okay. This isn't a game of like who could show up with the brightest nail polish or the boldest hair, right? This is a game of who gets to know themselves the best. 
Mm. And then you get to express yourself from that place, you know? And for me... Um, and it's going to be a quotable for this episode. Oh, yes. I love mm. that. I don't even know what I just said. Awesome. <laughs> it was really good. But yeah, so you get to express yourself however you want to express yourself and do so in alignment with who you are and do so for you. So I'm glad that it shows up as a congruent factor to the work that I'm doing. Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just happens to be a bonus. Right. Uh, but that's because the work that you do is actually an expression of who you are. So it makes sense. Yeah. I represent a plain gray t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> with an alligator. And my work with an alligator. <laughs> um, it's classy gray. So uh, Susan says, I love when people ask me what I think. It gives me permission and freedom to let my own thoughts out and subsequently my own light. If people don't like what I've said, tough shit. And Susan says, loving you, Ruby. What a joy you are. Oh, Susan, you are a joy. Tough shit. We need to hashtag. That's the hashtag for this episode. Tough shit. Totally. Hashtag tough shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. As we kind of like in the last few minutes, tell us a little bit about your business. So how do you, how have you turned kind of what was your own personal experience in finding your voice and overcoming big cultural issues and then expressing that into the world? How have you turned that into a business? And you said you've had a great year. How have you turned that into a successful business? By doing everything the opposite way that strategists <laughs> and business coaches tell you to do it. That's no, what everybody but, says. It's funny, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. the path. Do it wrong until you get it right. Right. Um, so really, it's just been about doing it in a way that feels good for me. Kind of like what we were talking about a while back where, you know, follow the things that make you happy, follow the things that make you feel excited. That's not to say that I've felt, I have never not felt excited in my business for sure. I've created those own traps for myself. Mm. And as soon as I realize I'm in it, I'm like, okay, what doesn't feel good? What doesn't feel aligned? Let me get rid of that and create something that feels more aligned. And so I've been doing this since 2014. I started with group programs, started doing one-on-ones and then ventured into workshops, events, retreats, And realize that what lights me up is being able to do this work in person with people. And I love intimacy. I love, love, love Mm. and value intimacy, especially in a world where we're losing it. Like we're losing the intimacy, especially in the personal development space. You know, people are creating bigger and bigger group programs, retreats where you get lost in the mix, events where you get lost in the mix. And I believe that connection is such a pillar for personal growth when we feel connected we can actually accelerate our growth. And so the way that I've modeled my business now is all the group programs are small group programs. 10 is the max that I do. I only work with a max of four one-on-one clients at any given time because my one-on-one clients have me in their back pocket, that, that they have back pocket access to me. My events now, I've moved away from the large events to go back into small intimate workshops. And It's all because I'm following what feels really good and what feels really exciting. Do I have a large email yet list? You would think I do because 2014 is when I started. It's 2019 and I don't. (laughs) I find all my clients through social media and referrals. And that's what works for me. I love doing videos. I love writing. I love sharing content. It excites me. It fuels me. It's therapeutic for me. And that's how people find me. So it works. So it's really just been trying a bunch of different things, feeling out what actually is aligned, what actually is exciting, what actually sparks joy, and getting rid of everything else. That doesn't mean that I could do better with systems and strategies. 
I could definitely do better with systems and strategies. And I'm going to figure out a way to do that that aligns with who I am. That's beautiful. And I, I imagine you have, you know, there's a lot of women obviously watching that are really resonating with what you're saying. Is that primarily who you work with? I work with actually men and women. So I have an equal amount of male clients as I do female clients, which is amazing. What all my clients have in common is that they see themselves as conscious leaders, whether they work in corporate or in an industry or they're entrepreneurs and they're carving their own path. It doesn't matter. They just see themselves as the leader of a movement and they're seeking to have the conviction to really show up powerfully for their cause. And how do you define conscious leader? Conscious leader are those leaders who aren't here to put themselves on a pedestal. They understand that connection and collaboration is what's going to break down division and competition. They are here to do things differently and do things their way because they don't believe that we need to follow a cookie cutter path in order to achieve the results that they seek. They're really in it for their cause, not the numbers, not the likes, but for the cause and for service. And uh, they're above all else, they're dedicated and devoted to their inner work. Mm. That's beautiful. Ruby, how, how can people find you? Yeah, so you can head on over to my website, rubyframon.com. Um, you can also find me online everywhere with the handle at I am Ruby. Everywhere, I mean, everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. And please, if you're on Instagram, that's like my favorite platform right now, please send me a DM, send me a, a message letting me know that you watch this. You can also feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Let me know that you watch this. What was your biggest insight? I would absolutely love to hear from you. Beautiful. And oh, and my podcast. Oh, yeah. The Plug podcast. podcast. Plug in it. Start with our episode. Yes. Um, so there's this amazing episode that's coming out with this uh, awesome dude named Nathan. And uh, that's coming Same out in well. a few weeks. But it's called Today's Thought Leader. And if you like the no bullshit approach and you want to get straight to the good stuff and you don't mind hearing fuck a few times in an episode, come on over, subscribe. You, you do lots of great solo episodes too, right? I you do. I actually kind of value. Yeah, I air twice a week. So Mondays are always with guests and Thursdays are always solos. And every episode, my goal is even the conversations are for the listeners to have a takeaway. So every single episode is built with tangible takeaways. Brilliant. Ruby, last question. Everybody loves it. And you've given us a little glimpse into it. But what's your dark side? What's the part that you don't want us to see and you know the dark side you still have to kind of watch out for? And is there a way that you embrace your dark side? Yeah. I wouldn't say that there's a dark side I don't want you to see. I don't mind if you see it. It's there. There's a perfectionist hiding within me. She loves to come out when I'm overwhelmed and have a lot on my plate. And she loves to get in my fucking way. And um, she usually gets the best of me for a day, sometimes a week, sometimes two weeks. And uh, it causes me to get overwhelmed and shut down uh, because I'm aware of this perfectionist that lies within me. It's become easier and easier for me to face this part of me. And so for me, it's just about recognizing, like getting back to the why, why do I need to make this feel perfect? Like what is actually triggering the perfectionist to come out? And that's when I'll dive into the fear or, you know, I'm afraid to put this out because of X, Y, Z. And when you start to acknowledge what you're actually scared of, it gives you a massive reality check. 
and makes it easier to overcome whatever it is that you need to do. So for me, that's that's there. She's there. She's a little. Does it bit. show up in your relationships as well? No. Like the perfectionism. Um, in my in not in my marriage. Hmm. Um. Actually, I get really upset if I make a dinner that my husband thinks is just okay. <laughs> I, I I really get upset with myself. That's just normal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I have a really good streak with dinners. Like my dinners are nine out of ten times amazing. So nice. exactly, see perfectionist. Yeah, <laughs> just so everybody up. knows. <laughs> just so everyone knows. Make sure we get that out. <laughs> but yeah, it'll come out. And in how do we get ways. that number to ten out of ten? By the way, what's that? What's, what's that one? Out I don't 10? know. I don't know. Lego. Um, but yeah, I think for anyone else who deals with perfectionism, it's not the perfectionism that's the the shadow. It's whatever is triggering perfectionism to come up. So mm. the fear of judgment, the fear of not being like, the fear of not belonging, the fear of not being acknowledged, like those are the kind of things that come up for me. And those will definitely come up in friendships and in my business for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine says, don't let great get in the way of good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, do the, just do the, the damn thing. Yeah, do the damn thing. We often let perfectionism act as a block, but done is better than staying exactly where you are. Like done is better than stuck. Mm. And once you take the action to get it done, you'll find that sense of freedom and you'll find that sense of empowerment back. And because you're no longer holding yourself hostage in that moment. Totally. Ruby, thank you so much for coming on here. As Susan said, you are a joy and it's been such a privilege having you here. You're a real light in our uh, community. So thank mm-hmm. you for taking the time and spending this time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who watched with us live. I appreciate you being here. Nathan, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, it's super fun to, to be here live, guys. We're here every Monday, so come and hang out uh, every Monday with a new guest, and uh, it's always fun to talk with you guys. Thanks, Ruby. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you think someone would like this or you want to share it around, give it a share and a like on Facebook, and uh, I'll be grateful and I'll love you forever. Go and find Ruby everywhere. She's at I am Ruby. She loves Instagram, so jump over there and send her a DM now. And have a phenomenal week. I'll be back next week with episode number 90 of the Nathan Seawood Show. That's was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.